now in this room. And he will be the same tomorrow and the next day. When the world around you seems unstable, he is a stable God. The biggest thing you can do is come into his house and lift your hands. And say, I trust in you. I make you the Lord of my life in everything I do. Not just when you're in this house, but tomorrow at work. When you wake up in the morning, you need to wake up saying, I trust you. You need to go to bed saying, I believe in you. You need to say it through your whole day. You need to make him the priority of your life. I can only tell you that that's been my goal my whole life. I've had some pretty ups and downs. I could tell you about them. But I'm standing and I'm standing strong because of my God. Amen. I want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22 and verse 54. And while you're doing that, I want to give honor to brother and sister Gilliland for this invitation. I do not take this pulpit lightly. This is an honor and a privilege. And I thank you for trusting me with that. You guys are blessed. You know that? You have a pastor and his wife who love you and... Man, I tell you what, I see great revival here in your land and your, you guys can turn this city upside down. Do you want it? I'm going to come back one day and there's not going to be an empty seat in the house. Not an empty seat in the house. Amen. Luke chapter 22 and verse 54, and it has been truly my honor to be here. And thank you for all of your hospitality. It's been exceptional. Luke twenty-two fifty-four. then took they him, and this is speaking of Jesus. And they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And I want you to make note of this last line. And Peter followed afar off. Peter followed afar off. And if you will give me just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about your position determines your deliverance. Your position determines your deliverance. Lift your hands with me. Lord Jesus, I know you are in this room. I know your word is anointed, God. It doesn't need to be any more anointed, but we, the hearers, need to be anointed. Our ears, our heart, God. I want you to break down any resistance and any barrier to the word of God. Someone is going to leave here different than they came in. There is a deliverance in this house, God. Someone can be set free, God, from the mental anguish and the physical anguish and the spiritual anguish and the emotional anguish, God. You are here to do it. Let us get on page with you, God. Let us get in the moment with you, God. Don't let us miss this moment. We give you the glory and the honor. Can you worship him for just a minute? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Now, I have to give you a little background of this scripture because I think it's vitally important. Sometimes we read a scripture and It's a beautiful scripture, but we don't know anything that was going on around it. And it's vitally important that when we read a scripture, we know who's talking, what they're talking about, what's the story, what's the narrative, what are we looking at? This scripture setting takes place 
at the end of the betrayal of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we would call it perhaps the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's going before the high priest. You and I know the end of that story. So we know what's fixing to happen, right? We know that he is going to be accused. He's going to be found guilty. Then he's going to be taken to Calvary and he's going to be crucified. Now, this story kind of gives us a bad taste in our mouth about Peter for a minute. But I, I don't want you to... I don't want you to dump on Peter too much because, you know, even though in this scripture setting, the Bible says that he was following afar off. I want to back you up for just a minute because Peter was the guy that when Malchias came, Peter drew his sword and he was ready to fight. Remember that story? That's also in the garden and actually cut off the ear of the servant. (laughs) Jesus had to fix it and Maybe I could just say to you, be careful what you do that Jesus has to go back and fix. Sometimes we mess up and he's like, no, 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 that's not right right now. And he has to go back and do a miracle and fix our issues, right? Hello, I'm there. Sometimes I feel like the Lord just follows me around putting ears back on. No, Sister Burton. No, Sister Burton. No, Sister Burton. I got to straighten myself up. I got to make sure I'm in the plan of God and the will of God. And I understand what timing it is of God, right? Here was the guy that I'm so grateful Peter's in the Bible because it gives me hope. But here's the guy that when the Lord said, bid me, if that's you, Lord, bid me come, come on. Just jumps right out of the boat into the water. And then when he realizes he's in the water, see, I just love Peter. He's like, oh, where am I? Oh, what happened? Starts sinking. He's like, Lord, save me. Lord's like, okay, I'm going to save you. I I love Peter in the Bible. I love because Peter's the guy that every time Jesus said, you know, do you love me or do you know this or who am I? And he's like, call on me, call on me. You ever had that kid in class, Sister Gilliland? Call on me. He didn't even know the answer. He just wanted to be called on. Luckily, Peter got that one right. Got that one right. This is how I read the Bible. I just kind of get tickled. I'm like, whoo, you got lucky there, Peter. You got that one right. This is the guy. I, I don't want you to think he didn't love God. And I don't want you to think he didn't care about God. And I don't want you to think he didn't come to church on Sunday. Welcome, Peter. He loved Christ. But all of a sudden, this guy that had bought into this, had left his job, had left his nuts and followed Jesus. All of a sudden, he's faced with the moment of realization. If I say I'm his disciple, the same thing that's going to happen to him could happen to me. And all of a sudden, Peter's faith just began to waver for a minute. He loved God. He, he knew he believed in him, but he wasn't sure he could be his disciple. And we find him afar off. Can, can I just tell you, we have to be careful because sometimes you'll find that people are around the church, but they're not really in the church. Can I just tell you what the Bible says? Jesus had a church of 12 and one of them was full of the devil. So you do the math of your church. I've done that math at my church. I went, oh, blessed Lord. We got about 12 or 13 of them here, Jesus. 
You only had one to deal with. We got 12 or 13. Bible says the devil, Satan entered into Judas. He had a disciple. Was full of the devil. So don't be shocked when you're around church and somebody's around the church, but they're not in the church. Can I maybe say it this way? That God's not in them. The church is not in them. They've not fully bought into it. I love it. Some people just want the experience, but no expectation. Pastor, just let me come and feel good today. Let me come when I'm sick and you heal me. But now don't ask anything else out there. I can't work. I can't pay my tithes. I can't do any of that. I can't teach Sunday school. I just want the experience. You better be careful because you're, you're stepping into Peter territory. You're, you're following afar off. You say you love him. You say you want to be his disciple at a distance. Some of you want the praise without the principles. Oh, I got them in my church too. Boy, they'll get in the altar on Sunday and shout and dance and live like crazy people the rest of the week. And then call me and say, my life is in such turmoil. And I'm like, well, hold on. You want praise, but you don't want to live by the principles of the word of God. You don't want to live by the thing that says be angry and sin not. You don't want to live by the principle that says follow him daily. Take up a cross every day. You don't want to live by the principle that says you need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray. Some of us just want options, but not obedience. (laughs) Listen, I like, I like having options. I like going to Arby's and getting my sandwich and then not having to have a fry. I can have a mozzarella stick or an onion ring. I, I like having options. But let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, you don't get options without obedience. Obedience is the key to being fully a disciple of God and following him with all of your strength and all of your might. Some people want this pulpit without a prayer room. You don't want this pulpit without a prayer room. It'll get you in trouble. I got too many examples in the Bible. Adab and Nabahu. You got them. Nadab and Abihu. There we go. It's coming. See, some people just want all the good without the sacrifice without the obedience. And this is where Peter was finding himself. He had positioned himself close enough that he could hear what was going on. Close enough that he could see Jesus. But he didn't really want to be identified as a disciple. And in fact, when he was around the fire, they kept trying to identify him as a disciple. Aren't you a follower of Jesus? Oh, no, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Sad, in it? Sad, in it? To... to Follow him, but afar off. I want to just be near enough to you, Jesus, that I can hear and I can kind of sense what's going on. And and I know and I can see, I can keep you in the front of my eyes, but I don't really want to follow you. But Peter's position was going to tell on him. Peter's position was going to deny him some things. Peter's position was going to define his life for a little bit. But can I just tell you the story of another man? In the book of Mark, chapter 5, we see this story, beginning with verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, speaking of Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
He had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not with chains. He was often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been just plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in peace. Neither could any man tame him. Verse 5, and always, night and day, he was in the mountain and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But look at this first portion of verse 6. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, where? Now, hold on. I just read Peter followed Jesus afar off. But now we've got a man seeing Jesus afar off. Something else changed. Peter's afar off. And we're going to watch Peter disappear into the night and go further away. His position was taking him away from God. But we look at this man. And when he saw Jesus afar off, look at what the Bible says. He changed his position. He ran and he worshipped him. Can I just share how I read this story? I think Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Row, row, row your boat to the shore. I think when they pulled up to the shore, I I think Jesus kind of did this number. I think he just stuck one foot over the edge of the boat and touched the earth with the tip of his toe. Why'd you do that, Jesus? Because just a few yards away in a cave, a man is dwelling in a tomb. And all of a sudden, that man goes, what was that? What was that? Ah, what was that? I, I just felt a shaking. He didn't even know what it was. Oh, the demons knew. The demons knew. They were like, whoo, that was God. I just felt God touch the earth. And I think Jesus might have done it just a few times just to shake up hell. I just see Jesus doing that. See, y'all don't read Jesus the way I read him. I want to challenge you somewhere in the book of Mark so you can go find it. It's my favorite scripture in the Bible. This is what it says. A blind man comes to Jesus to be healed. The Bible says Jesus lifting up his eyes side. You didn't get it. Jesus lifting, Jesus, can I just do the message version? Jesus rolling his eyes, side. See, y'all thought it was spiritual. Y'all thought he lifted up his, if they hadn't put side on the end, I might could agree with you. But when it said Jesus lifted up his eyes and side, I know that expression. I've done it before. It goes like this. And you read the rest of that story. Jesus just plopped his hand on that guy and said, be healed. He was so over it. You read that whole text. And I started laughing. I'm like, Jesus, you rolled your eyes. I love it. I can roll my eyes. Thank you. I just can see Jesus going, you know what? I I know hell is fixing to attack me and try to send me to the cross and think it's one. How about I just shake up their kingdom a little bit? But I can just imagine when Jesus jumped out of that boat and both feet struck that land and all of a sudden all of hell began to shake in that tomb because even though that man didn't know those demons knew who hit the ground and the demons were like hey listen you can go take a peek but you can't go 
Can you imagine? That's what the enemy doesn't care if you're in church. He cares if church is in you, but he doesn't care if you come to church. He cares if Christ is in you, if he is being magnified in you. I love it. They're going to let him stand afar off. But there's something about the power of God. That man stepping out and the demons letting him see afar off. When he changed his position, something began to happen. Some things were broken loose. Some strongholds were broken immediate in his life. And the Bible says he changed his position. He said, I will not stay afar off. Bible says he ran and he worshiped Jesus. Can I just, can I just talk to you for a minute? Cause I, I still don't think you understand it fully. So I'm going to help you. Okay. That's my job today. This was a man who had absolutely no control over any portion of his body. Those demons told him where to live They told him to cut himself. He had no control over his hands. His feet took him to the graveyard and to the tombs to live. He couldn't go home. They would drag him back. He had no control over his hands. He had no control over his mouth. He had no control over his body. But when that man who had no control stepped into the presence of God and changed his position, every demon had to let him go. They had no power in the presence of God. Your position will determine your deliverance. If you stay afar off, you won't be delivered. But if you run, if you run and you worship him, I'm going to tell you, afar off never delivered anybody. Afar off never saved anybody. A far off never blessed anybody. It was the people who said Jesus. It was the people who called on him. It was the people who reached out to him. That were healed. Let's let's break it down a little further. The demons who controlled his feet. Had no more control of his feet. Because the Bible says he ran towards Jesus. The demons who had control of his hands no more had control of his hands when he lifted them and worshipped Jesus. The demons that had control of his mouth no longer had control of his mouth when he opened his mouth and worshipped Christ. That's not even the funniest thing to me. Can I tell you the funniest thing? The demons that told him where to live now had ag- had to ask permission to change their address. They told him, you're living in the tombs, you're living in the graveyards. And he went without, without, now they're like, Lord, can you imagine those legion of demons? Lord, please don't send us. We'd rather go live in the pigs. You know, I I just, I just kind of think Jesus is just snarky enough that I just kind of think he went, all right, I'm going to let you. Because I'm going to redeem a prodigal son out of a pig pen. You can go back to the pig pen. 
And he sent those demons into those pigs. And then those pigs ran off the mountain and died. Can I tell you something? When you change your position, the power of hell has no more authority over you. You can overcome depression. You can overcome oppression. You can come over fear. You can overcome anxiety. You can overcome anything that stands between you and Christ. But you got to change your position. you got to run to him. you got to worship him. you got to say, I want to be made whole. Can you clap your hands and love him for a minute? I am here to declare to someone, today is your day of deliverance. You will not leave here bound. You will not leave here in that spirit and attitude anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, deliverance is in your destination. You know what? I think sometimes we just need to come to church to change our position. I'll guarantee you, most of you sit in the same pew every Sunday. They do in my church. Sometimes that's how my husband takes attendance. One time, one lady moved from over here, over here. He texted her the next day, I missed you at church today. She was like, Pastor, I was on the other side of the church. You want to shake your pastor up? All y'all change seats next Sunday. We come to church. We sit in the same pew. When the music's going, we do our one, two, three hand clap. If we get stirred up enough, we might lift our hands. We might weep. We might cry. I'm longing for the day when the apostolic church, the first note, you don't even have to sing a word. But when the first note is played, people are running to the altar with their hands raised because they know this is where the deliverance is. This is where the power is. This is where the healing is. This is where the blessing is. This is where the hope is. This is where your salvation is. Jesus was always looking for people that changed their position. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I love that little woman with the issue of blood who had tried everything. Some of you were there. You've been on every drug known to man for depression and anxiety. You've read every self-help book. You've been to every doctor. I'm going to tell you the healer of depression and anxiety is in this house. I have a belief in my God that he can immediately change that. He can immediately heal that. He can immediately deliver you from that. This little woman had the issue of blood. She hears about Jesus. She hears that he can. And she is so inferior within herself. She's like, I cannot walk up to him. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sneak up on him. This is how I see it. She's just walking along in the crowd. And she's just kind of moving in front of that one and walking and moving in front of that one and walking and moving in front of that one and walking. And she's getting closer and closer. And there's Jesus. And she's not even brave enough to ask him for anything. But the Bible says she just got closer. Do you know how close you'd have to be to touch the hem of his garment? This is like grocery shopping cart hits your heels close. Anybody ever had that happen? She's close enough to Jesus. She's close enough to Jesus. And all of a sudden, she gets brave enough and she touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops. 
Don't you understand? If she had stayed on the side of the road and just watched him go by, we would not know her story today. She probably would have died. But she said, my position is going to determine my deliverance and whatever I've got to do to get to him, to touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible says immediately she was made whole. Why do you think Jesus would do that for her and he wouldn't do that? Some of you have been fighting disease and sickness so long. I take authority over that. You know those songs, I've seen dead bodies come to life. I don't know what that song is, but y'all know it. I've seen a dead body. I was raised overseas. I saw a dead body come to life. I've witnessed that with my eyes. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care what your issue is. And that's not me not being concerned. I'm just telling you, it is not bigger than my God today. It is not greater than my King. It is not greater than my Lord. There is a deliverance for you if you desire it. But I'm going to tell you, he's not going to come to you. You're going to come to him. He's not going to worship you. You're going to worship him. He's not going to deliver you just on the side of the road. Sister Cottrell, when she was talking yesterday, brought out the story of the lame man at the gate beautiful. She brought out the fact that Jesus had probably passed that man because he had been there 30-something years. Jesus didn't heal him. And I don't know that Peter and John would have healed him if he hadn't reached out, if he hadn't called out, if he hadn't changed his position. You got time for one more? Because I think the Bible is going to tell it over and over again. I love this story. Jesus is coming through the town. And there's a couple of guys in their usual position by the side of the road. They got their coats and their staff and their cups. Begging. They're blind. One na- one's named Bartimaeus. And all of a sudden, they hear a ruckus coming down the road. Well, I could just, this is how I read the Bible. Someone share how I read the Bible. Is that okay? Bartimaeus. What's that noise? Hey, John, what's that noise? Well, how would I know, Bart? I'm as blind as you are. That's how I read this conversation. Well, let's get somebody who's got some eyes. Hey, 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 hey. What's the noise? Well, Jesus is coming. Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. Hey, John, that's that guy everybody's been talking about. He's healed a bunch of blind dudes. Yeah, Bart, maybe. I don't know. Bart's listening. The sound gets louder and louder and louder. When he hears the ruckus, all of a sudden, Bartimaeus goes, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. I can just see John going, Bart, now I'm deaf and blind. What are you doing? Quit screaming. I do read the Bible like this. I just chuckle. I just kind of make up these things on my head. I'm still in the Bible. Bible left a lot of things unsaid. No answer. No change. 
Hold your ears, John. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Throw that scripture up there, Mark chapter 10. Jesus stood still. He said, hold on a minute. Crowd, hold on a minute. The Bible says Jesus stood still. Now, some of you would think this is kind of rude of Jesus. He knows this guy's blind. But he says, come here. To be able to be, and they were like, John's like, hey, Bart, I think he's talking to you. I can't see, but I think he's talking to you. Everybody said, he said, rise, be a good cheer. He calleth thee. Oh, how I love this next verse. Look at what Bartimaeus did. The Bible says Bartimaeus, casting away his garments, rose. He couldn't even see Jesus. But he's like, Jesus, just keep calling. I'm going to find you. And when Bartimaeus changed his position, his eyes were open. He received his sight. I'm here to tell you your position, your praise, your attitude, your stance, where you're standing, how you're worshiping. That is going to make all the difference in the world. In your deliverance, your God is here to deliver. Are you willing to change your position? If a blind man can cast away his garment and try to find Jesus, all of you here today can cast away your doubt, your fear, your unbelief, your indecisiveness, your anxiety, and you can come to him. I want you to stand all over this room. Musicians and singers can come. Uh, your God is no different than the God I just told you about. It is the same God, the same Jesus with the same power to heal you. Some of you have been fighting demons. You've been bound by things. You've been bound by alcoholism. You've been bound by what was done to you as a child. You've been bound by depression, anxiety, fear, doubt, confusion. But I am here to tell you the deliverer is in the house. Can you just lift your hands for a minute? Can you just lift your voice for a minute? Jesus. 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 Hikarobohusha.